my family is from East London in Canning Town. Uh, my father's a butcher, or well, was, although I, th I still think he fancies a go every once in a while. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I went to school at South End High School for boys. Um, I didn't go to university. Um, I don't have a degree, which I know in this day and age, some people look at and go, why not? But I think, you know, education and academia uh, fits certain, you know, people. And, um, you know, for me, it wasn't a great fit. Um, and I wasn't sure really leaving school, what was it I wanted to do um, at the time? Um, I knew a guy who had a bricklaying contractor uh, and there was something about construction that I quite liked and in summer holiday I was working with him you know and perhaps thinking back on some of those uh, times maybe health and safety could have been well served then when I was working with him in house building um, but he taught me a lot uh, he taught me a huge amount and it encouraged me so I went back to night school um, so I was working during the day and then going to college at night, uh, did ONC, HNC and construction studies, really learned the industry. Um, and then he also encouraged me to join a big company and get on one of their programs. And that's where I joined a company called Countryside Properties, who, yeah, you know, in Brentwood, Essex, um, I owe them a huge amount. Um, I went on a two year management program with them. So I went in every single department from the accounts to IT, you know, everything. Um, and then went out on site, you know, I wanted to be a site manager. Um, and at the end of this two year program, you could say to the chairman, Alan Cherry, who's sadly uh, deceased, but his sons still run the business there. Um, and um, you could name what job you wanted to do. Um, <laughs> and the guy who looked after health and safety and the training uh, element. So the young guys that went through their training program was a guy called John Smith. Yeah, it was his real name, bless him. Um, <laughs> many a story talking about John. Um, and um, I don't know, my time with him, you know, we had a, a little game of golf sometimes on a Friday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> And uh, he had a nice car and, uh, yeah, he made the job fun. Mm -hmm. um, and at the end of it, the chairman, you know, I had a few questions about safety and I moved from this sort of site management position to um, working with John in health and safety. He was the only guy in health and safety at the time. Um, uh, <laughs> when we spoke to the chairman about it, uh, or when John did, should I say, the chairman said, has he cut his hair? Has he taken his earring out? And is it because you play golf, John, and don't think I don't know that? Um, and it went from there, really. Um, I had a great time at Countryside. Um, they Again, that training program really gave me the foundation of understanding business, yep. but also understanding my audience. Mm -hmm. um, I had many times, there was a guy called Keith Pryor, um, yeah, he used to eat concrete for breakfast, that's for sure. Um, and uh, I remember one day John dropping me off at the site saying, you, you've got to go and do the inspection. And I said, well, you're coming, aren't you? He said, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we're in his Sierra gear. There you go. That's giving the uh, 
the year away a bit. <laughs> and I got out of the car, got all our stuff out of the boot, and John locked the doors, did the passenger window down a little bit. He said, I'll be back in a couple of hours and drove off Excellent. and just left me. Uh, and I went in and Keith was like, go and do what you want, son. Yeah, he sat behind his desk and I'm like, well, I need you, Keith. And he just ignored me reading his newspaper. So I went round and did an inspection of the project and went back and did the report as you used to do those days. Well, I guess we're still doing that in health and safety, sadly. But anyway, um, and I wrote it out and I put it under his newspaper and said, Keith, you need to talk about this. And he, he put his newspaper down, tore it up, put it in the bin. Uh, so I wrote it out again. I slid it under his paper and he put his paper down and said, you're not going away, are you? I said, no, I'd just rather have a conversation with you about this. And he picked up the report. He looked at it. He was like this. And he went, 50%, 50, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep percent. I said, yeah. And this was when hard hats were all coming in. And he said, it's not 50%. Well, so there's 10 people out there. There's five people wearing hard hats. So, you know, maybe I didn't do so well at school with maths, but certainly that's 50% in my book. And he put it up and he put it down. He just looked at me, smiled and he said, you've passed, you'll go far, you will. And he became one of my best strange way mentors in, in construction. You know, he knew how to get people to do things. Yeah. He was a rough diamond, but he was a damn good guy um, yeah. to learn from. And then I ended up, John uh, retired, and the words he said to me when he retired, never stop learning. He said, I learned something today on his 65th you know, year, and, and the day he left, he said, I learned something today, and, and I hold that you know, in my head every single day, that I don't have all the answers, and, and I do learn something every day. And then from there, um, I was a group health and safety manager <laughs> I was I know, 23. It was too soon. It was way too soon. Um, and I wasn't ready for it. And I knew I wasn't ready for it. And I think perhaps sometimes we we don't think about that enough. Uh, we need to be ready for some of these things. Or we need to be in touching distance of being able to be successful in that next role. Um, and I knew I wasn't, and I knew I wanted to back for my experience. And I went to the chairman with a letter of resignation. He looked at me and he just said, I know what it is. Explain to me why you're leaving. And I said, I want to backfill my experience. I need to learn more before I can take on this sort of role. And he looked at me and he said, Ben, it's the right thing to do. And he said, whenever you want to come back, phone me. Mm -hmm. um, go with my blessing. And I guess that's a theme all through my career. I've been very fortunate with my uh, the people that I've worked for. Um, and I left and went to Wilmot Dixon. Yeah. I'd never, I'd never, no true inner city refurbishment, really complex, challenging work in London. Uh, spent, uh, looked after London region for Wilmot Dixon. It was a step up. It was different experience. I did that and then um, thought I've never been resident on a project. It's very different to visiting. Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate there was a role with Caverna that latterly became Skanska. I remember. Um, and um, they had a job called Woolwich Hospital. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, they wanted a resident health and safety manager. And I went and joined that. Interesting interview uh, because one of the guys said, do you play golf? I said, yes. And he said, you'll do fine. 
I thought, well, you know, nothing, maybe that gets me in the door, then so what? Um, and uh, I was resident on that project for a while, Skanska brought out Caverna, um, and then um, this thing called the Gherkin appeared on horizon, Swiss Re in the city of London, you know, the highest tower to be built since NatWest Tower, um, very, a lot of people saw it as controversial because it's on the site of the, the IRA bomb with the Baltic Exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was incredibly different by design, you know, foster design. And uh, Skanska said, we'd like you to go and be the safety manager on it. I was one of the youngest safety managers they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, the project director there said, mm, not sure about this Ben guy. What does he know about high rise? And I said, I don't know anything about high rise. I said, but looking around London, there's not too much being built. And and he just looked at me and went, hmm. I said, so we'll learn together, won't we? I said, but it's only the height that differs. You know, the footprint is the same, pretty much, except on the gherkin, it's a bit like a gherkin. Um, and uh, I went on there, got halfway through it, loved it. It was an amazing project to yeah, work on. Complex construction on that one as well, wasn't there, um, for the methodology? To yeah. Together. You know, CDM, very early days of CDM, lots of interest from HSC, Health and Safety Executive, uh, perhaps, you know, interest from a designer's point of view, so from uh, the Fosters and Partners uh, point of view, Victor Boyklandia, the steel guys, you know, how are we going to build this thing? Uh, because it wasn't, uh, you know, it start, the, the circumference altered uh, every every stage. So, you know, super interesting from a, from a health and safety point of view, inner city project, never been done before. Wow. And it was really my, and I think every safety professional has that moment in their career, which I call like a diving board which just launches you into a different um, realm of competence and visibility. Mm-hmm. And, and Swiss Re was my, my diving board. It was the project that, I guess, put me a little bit in the spotlight. Um, yeah. And then, you know, PFI, I then, you know, I had a, another amazing boss. You know, he's incredible. I've been very lucky. A guy called Dave Shadwell who is the managing director of Skanska UK building, mm-hmm. uh, formerly Trollope and Coles and all of that. An amazing guy again. Um, and I became their, you know, Skanska UK building a health and safety lead. Um, loved every minute of it, um, mainly London based. Uh, then PFI took off and they gave me the PFI business to look after as well. And suddenly I'm dealing with two huge businesses, one of them, you know, going about their business fairly steady, another one with PFI, you know, and most people will remember the early days of PFI, hospitals, education, healthcare. Yeah. That just went, woof, crazy. Uh, had an incredible uh, managing director, Simon Hipperson. Um, again, a great guy. Um, and um, I remember Dave Shadow saying to me, you can't do both. Um, he said, if it was my choice, he said, I'm putting Dave's hat on. He said, I'd say, stay with us but you need to go and go places. You need to go and fulfill your ability. Some of which I didn't really understand what that meant um, because, you know, perhaps I like to think that I'm quite humble. I I don't um, sort of feel the need to tell people whether I'm any good or not. I let them make that that choice. And it's one of the reasons I reached out and asked 
you to be on the podcast, Ben. You're very, very well known in industry, but you're not like some of the big names that are out there promoting themselves all of the time. You kind of sat in the background and let your work answer for itself. Yeah, I tell you, I, and I guess that's what I'm like as a, um, you know, as a team leader. I, you know, I try to let people play you know, and be there for them and encourage them and, and push them forward because that's what people have done for me and it worked for me. So I think well, if it works for me, you know, and I like it, why wouldn't I do the same? Yeah. Um, and uh, I ended up running the PFI business and then ended up uh, looking after Skanska UK uh, PLC, uh, an amazing company, formative years, uh, progressed through them, but I knew I'd never worked internationally so again, I was thinking, what are the bits missing in my experience that when I retire, I can sit back and say, I did it. I yeah. did what I thought I needed to do to make a difference. Um, and uh, Carillion, you know, rest in peace, came along, uh, a guy called Richard Housen, which uh, I guess a lot of people know. Um, but I would say as a boss, another amazing boss. Um, and said, would you be interested in going with Carillion to this place called Dubai? I'm like, no idea where that is, but sounds sounds all right. Um, um, but in the meantime, you know, my CEO at Skanska, David Fison, um, I told him about it. And again, you know, like I'll keep saying this. I was very fortunate. And David said to me, get on a plane, go to Dubai and see if you like it. And when you come back, if you say to me you want to go and do it, he said, you go with my blessing. He said, because you've been a loyal servant to Skanska and you've done some amazing things for us. And I went to Dubai and and a mentor I had at the time, Bill Hayes, he said to me, if you can go and do it there, you can do it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And ignore the people who might criticize you for it. He said, because you don't deserve the right to criticize something unless you go and be part of it. That's it, yeah. Uh, and I've always held that in the back of my mind with people questioning me sometimes. I say, well, if you can do it in a highly regulated environment, you still don't get it right. Well, you come and do it in with a bunch of guys who actually really need our help, you know, want our support and deserve our support in places that don't have a regulatory framework, perhaps don't have clients that are as mature. doesn't make them wrong. It just makes them different. Um, and I went, and I went with Richard, and we had an extraordinary few years at Carillion, I think, uh, with Jason Rowley back in the UK as my sort of functional boss. Mm -hmm. Again, people cared for me and looked out for me, and, and we did, yeah, just amazing things in the Middle East, I think. Um, and then my time at Carillion, you know, I thought I've never worked for a consultant you know, in that, that space between client and contractor, that there's plenty of people that exist in that sphere, and Mace was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, and I liked what Mace were about in London. I'd seen a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Andy Brown, again, another guy that I had a lot of, still do have a lot of respect for. Um, <clears throat> and I joined Mace and looked after international business. Mm -hmm. They'd never had a person doing that for Mace International before. Um, I think, again, we did some great things. Um, and then uh, AECOM, you know, the US engineering company came along and knocked on the door and said, hey, you know, what do you think of us then? <laughs> I'm like, hmm, what's the role? 
you know, Vice President Health and Safety for Middle East. Yeah, great. Let's give it a go. You know, uh, different vibe, different feel, different, slightly different scope of work, um, certainly different geography. So, uh, you know, other things to bring into the into the the mix. Um, and um, yeah, spent a lot of time um, with Acom doing some crazy things, and um, and then um, you know the gig that I've got now came up um, with Ferrovial. Um, if you don't know Ferrovial, you know they do everything from airports, you know toll roads, um, construction business, uh, mobility business. So we have you know shares in Heathrow. Uh, we're got a construction business blasting tunnels through Canary Islands. Um, we've got car sharing schemes in Madrid and Paris. Um, yeah. so, and now we're involved with building vertiports in Florida. So it's a pretty diverse business and I get to wear two hats here, the construction lead and the group corporate lead. So it's been a, a really interesting journey. I've got to work in every continent. So from Russia, to North America, now South America, and Europe, and Poland, and Asia, Vietnam, and probably the strangest place I ever went to was Saipan, uh, building a casino. Excellent, excellent. So that's quite a comprehensive career as well, Ben, and quite broad. Yeah. What's been your biggest challenge in health and safety so far? Uh, the biggest challenge, I think, is um, uh, understanding that nobody's wrong. They just have a slightly different view. Um, so you have to take uh, what you know and apply it in a way that is understood and adds value and means something. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest challenge has always been to work out what fits, where the business is at, what the geography looks like, and where are you gonna genuinely add value and just not more noise. Um, so I think that's always the biggest challenge for me is relevance. Yeah. Make sure what you do is relevant. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. Thanks for that, Ben. So quite a comprehensive career. You've worked yeah. on almost every continent in the world. What's yeah. coming up in the future? What's next for Ben? Are you, are you guys, you never know. Um, uh, you know, businesses evolve, and if you're in a business and they are, uh, they venture off into something like vertiports with electric air taxis, um, that's going to be part of your remit, and you have to understand it. And how does health and safety and well-being fit into that that product? Or if they choose to go to a country, you know, what's next? I think for Ben, um, <laughs> I get a kick out of um, uh, seeing teams grow. Mm -hmm. So. You know, this team that I, I'm fortunate to lead at the moment is a growing team. It's mm -hmm. maturing. Uh, there's some great opportunities. And um, I guess, you know, here and now is is doing what I can to support them to be better and for, for Oviel to be better. You know, in the two years that I've been here now, you know, put a whole new strategy in place. Uh, we've brought a whole new feel around health and safety and well-being. We've mm -hmm. put context around it. We've made it relevant. Uh, and we're starting to understand that this isn't something that is separate. It's absolutely integrated into how a business is run. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And I guess if you find yourself slightly left field, 
and you're only really being spoken to when there's a problem you know step back and really think about where are my touch points yep how do you integrate back into the business yeah how do you be that that friendly face the support function that's there to assist the business and its day-to-day -day operations i mean i was asked the other day about you know uh, what sort of metric do you apply to your team and i and i say you know uh, you know you get one of these things and you can track how much time outgoing and incoming and i say how many times do non-safety people call you <laughs> yeah you know, what a metric that is as well that's an excellent uh, one to judge on uh, yeah uh, and, and i measure myself against it um you know how often are people calling me for support advice a coffee a beer uh, a lunch um a debate <laughs> um yeah I, I think yeah that that's a, a subtle measure of you know, are we adding value yeah yeah definitely definitely so you've had such a long and illustrious career ben what Not so advice, much of the long <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give to someone starting out in health and safety today um read mm -hmm. listen get some great mentors you'd be surprised um you know a guy reached out to me on linkedin and said he sent me a message and he said you're probably not going to answer me but you know i thought i'd chance it you know would you be able to give me five minutes of your time here's my number and i just picked up the phone to him and said what do you want to know and he's like i can't believe you phoned me and mm -hmm. why you know mentors to me are, are really critical you yeah. know and, and learn the business that you're trying to uh, invest your knowledge into. Um, I think, uh, you know, that thing that John Smith said to me, you never stop learning. So, and it's true. So always be seeking out who are, who are the trailblazers? Who are the people that are trying to do something different? You know, not always getting it right. Um, build your network um, with intelligent, common sense people. And a few that are a little bit, you know, renegade. Yeah. Because you need the uh, renegades, don't you? Who's where the new ideas come from and the, the slightly from left field ideas developed. Yeah, yeah. And um, uh, someone said to me, you know, if you've got two people and they're both agreeing, you don't need two people. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and look for opportunities. You know, Bill Hayes, he said to me, you know, someone giving you an opportunity is one thing. You creating the opportunity is a completely different level of thinking. Yeah. I read a book a couple of years ago now, and it said, build your own board. Who would you want to be on your executive board and make them your mentors? And yeah. I developed that, and I still speak to a massive network of people now yeah. Yeah. to guide me and the, the process. And since I started doing that, I've seen my career grow exponentially. I've bounced ideas off them. Even this was developed with a, a couple of mentors that I'd spoken to and yeah. said, thinking about doing a podcast, well, what are you trying to achieve from it? Well, I want to give people information that will start mountain safety and learn more about the people that I'm engaging with. And it will be fun. Yeah, you know, fun. You say you say you say a word there, fun, and and perhaps not many people associate health and safety and fun in the same sentence. But I always say that. You can do extraordinary things. You really can. You know, the best times of my career so far have been when we've had some fun. Mm -hmm. There's been immense tragedy over the years, yeah. uh, and I'm con I never forget any of 
those events. Mm-hmm. But 90% of the time, we get it right. And we spend an inordinate amount of time on the ten percent we get wrong. It's not to say you don't you don't spend time on that. Of course you should, but recognise how successful yeah, we can be. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, I, I guess you know, for those for the younger people, and I, I worry that people come out with a degree and think I should be now a health and safety director. Mm-hmm. You know, to me that word competence is very very important. If if you're in a country, go and work international. Mm-hmm. It's it's been the most extraordinary uh, support of my career, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's made a huge difference because I appreciate the different views of life. Excellent. Yep. Yep. It's definitely an ambition. I mean, eventually to work internationally and get that experience. Do it different cultures and develop it through um I, I because, back no, because sorry no nobody is right yeah yeah i go back to my early career um some of the best advice i got at the start of my career was if opportunity uh, and i actually had this little sign on all of my desks right up until we became permanently working from home um but i had a little sign that said if opportunity doesn't knock build a door and at the start of my career, I went out, I worked for free, I chapped doors and said, I'll work for free if you teach me what you're doing and how you're doing it. And really developed from there to push on yep. to that next level. And it led on building that network and being able to develop into a full-time role. It's not yep. for everyone and not everyone's got that option available to them. But if you can, it's definitely a good place to start. And you'd be surprised, you know, how many opportunities are actually out there yeah. if, if you really want it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and honestly, the people I admire uh, in the world of safety today have a very diverse, uh, you know, footprint, experience. You know, it, it makes all the difference. And, um, you know, and as I say, they, these guys that I admire now and I guess mentor me still now, um, uh just have that certain exploration uh about them one of the questions i get asked quite a lot then and it's probably quite a good one to put to yourself is mid-level management so mid-level safety management looking to break into that upper echelon of safety into the the c-suite if you like into the directorship role what advice would you give to them uh, what to break into the kind yeah. of role that I've got now? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's a balance of technical experience mm-hmm. and your behavioural style mm-hmm. and your understanding of business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see a lot on LinkedIn of people saying, oh, you know, I've done a, a diploma in safety. I'm now going to do a master's and I'm going to do a double master's in safety. I'm thinking, why don't you go and do a finance uh, uh Mm-hmm. degree or why don't you go and do a psychology uh, uh, you know course of some description build your attractiveness mm-hmm. to a business you know I think that is a, a thing that the health and safety profession perhaps don't make the most of we by the way that we manage things risk businesses are interested in risk they're interested in reputation they're interested in their brand they're interested in their share price the investors are interested get that that commercial 
and it's not a dirty word, uh, get that business language, get that understanding of industry uh, aside to the health and safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that I think, I talk about health and safety perhaps, I don't know, 10% of my week, maybe. Yeah. The rest of it is building relationships, having conversations, understanding how we're going to do something, throwing into the mix, well, how, what's our plan to do that? Mm -hmm. how, how are we going to do that and not put our, our brand at risk? Uh, what's the quality of individual we need to be able to deliver that? So broaden the experience. And I think that's where big businesses want to see a health and safety person, not as important, but as valuable. Excellent, excellent advice, Ben. Thank you very much for coming on the show. I've really enjoyed having you on. It's been a great experience, and I've really enjoyed hearing about your career. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's, it's a, and uh, maybe you touched on it. I don't often talk about myself. I find it a little bit um, strange, but uh, it's interesting to reflect sometimes. So maybe that's something else to do. Uh, to stop and reflect and where can you add value and and I did that two years ago and ended up saying I'm happy to mentor more people um, and also I'm now a non-exec director of two businesses two young startups uh, one called Navitech and one mm -hmm. called Repl and they're young guys who have got some brilliant ideas and you kind of look and see how can you help them get the the visibility how can you help them bring to market a great product mm -hmm. um and i and perhaps that's another thing that we perhaps don't think about giving back pro bono i don't get anything out of it nothing yeah. whatsoever um but but other than feeling like i'm using my experience for good excellent excellent and it's so important to give that that level of commitment to give back to industry as well, isn't it? I've seen it with the, the IPD and Chartered Fellow groups that I've been mentoring on. We've successfully coached 55 people from yeah. graduate status up to Chartered, and we've also got five now through the Chartered Fellowship interview process, which is phenomenal when you think there's only 550 Chartered Fellows worldwide, you know? So really, really good setup. Yeah, I, yeah, it's great. Yeah, give it, give it. And, and if people have invested that time in me, um, so why wouldn't I do it for others? And, and like I say, I look back at the teams that I've been privileged to work with and seeing a lot of those guys now in positions the same as me, that, that gives me a bit of a kick, if I'm honest with you. Um, I don't think there's anything better than that, seeing people succeed. But you've got to work at it. It's not for free. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, I appreciate you coming on, Ben. Thank you very much. This podcast is sponsored by Inside Out Group, the specialists in high-risk and challenging filming and time-lapse, covering health and safety videos for rail, construction, and infrastructure projects nationwide.